0: satan enjoyed that friday intensely he perched on the cross watching the son of god suffer and die sin piled on his bony shoulders occasionally crying out in pain he crept up beside him to mock and jeer the lord will command his angels concerning you (laughs) where are the angels have they abandoned you too He made his way through the crowd, throwing fuel on the fire of hatred and spite in the men who mumbled, ''He saved others. Why can't he save himself?'' and shouted with a laugh, ''Come on down! Then we'll all worship you, we promise!'' As he passed them, he gave each a jerk of the chain, choking them for just a moment with the slave collars each of them wore, a reminder that they were all his. They could not see them, of course, the collars, but they could always feel it when he reined them in or directed their path. He enjoyed sticking his sword through the heart of Jesus' mother who was weeping in a heap a few yards from the cross, while Jesus writhed in agony, seemingly helpless to put a stop to it all. And he enjoyed stroking the egos of the religious leaders standing at a distance, stirring up an almost sexual glee in their flesh as they watched their enemy finally get what he deserved. He earned every stripe. Remember that. When Jesus gave up and died, the first on the hill to cash it in, the demons pointed out with a scoff, the devil laughed himself hoarse. The sight of the king of kings slumped against that pole, his eyes vacant, the birds of prey already swooping closer and closer was simply too hilarious for words. Alpha and Omega, (laughs) beginning and the end. The Christ's hold, or what remained of it, on this wicked planet had finally been broken, decisively. It was now the exclusive property of the devil and his angels. If Satan had any doubt, it was put to rest when he heard the news that the curtain of the temple had split in two, defiling the so-called holy place, and a surge of supernatural energy had caused hundreds of people to start seeing ghosts all over the city. This was his hour when darkness reigned. The age of evil, unfettered evil, was now beginning. Saturday was a field day for Satan. He was usually in a foul mood on the Sabbath, but not today, not ever again. He attended a Roman orgy, the stoning of a young child, and several pagan temple services, and between each, he made a stop back at the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, where Jesus' dead body lay at room temperature. As for Jesus' soul, it was in Hades, with all the pitiful slaves of sin and objects of wrath, who had died before him. How utterly stupid of the I am, to become sin and tempt fate on a Roman cross? Didn't he know that to the Prince of Darkness, a cross was like a lyre in the hands of a skilled musician? The devil spent the evening curled up under the bloated body of Judas Iscariot, hanging dead from a tree of his own. Treachery was a great dessert, and Satan lingered there, dreaming about what he would do to his slaves tomorrow. Then came Sunday. Satan first heard the report from a demonic foot soldier who had been skulking around the garden tomb, then from some higher-ups whom he had years earlier assigned to follow the twelve at a distance. The reports were all vague, but together they painted a unified and horrifying picture. The stone had been moved. The tomb lay open. The women weren't crying. They were laughing. The peasant fishermen, just two days ago wetting themselves as they ran scared from the fray, were running to the tomb, emboldened. They were all telling and retelling stories about seeing the Christ, seeing him alive and well. Satan rushed to the tomb. The damn thing was empty. He then rushed to the mouth of Hades and gazed down into the canyons of chalk and charcoal. The Christ was gone and he'd taken many of the other souls with him. All of Satan's greatest trophies were gone, escaped. He skulked and moped and roamed the earth, hoping to calm himself by once again taking in the scope of his kingdom. But something was different. Many of his slaves were being set free. One by one, their massive iron slave collars were falling away, replaced by a yoke that was easy and light, signifying that they now belonged not to him, but to the Christ. In a rage, Satan ascended to the gates of heaven, He would take his grievance into the courtroom of God where he went regularly to accuse his slaves and keep them firmly in his grip. Look how filthy they are, he loved to say. Even those who serve you only do it for selfish returns. As he neared God's abode, he rehearsed in his mind the case he would make, how he would appeal to justice. After all, he had won at the hill called the Skull, and to the victor go the spoils. But the gates were locked. "'You cannot enter,' he was told. "'Never again. You've been locked out, your access revoked. The dragon is cast down to the earth.' "'But who will stand between God and man?' Satan protested. "'Who will do what I have always done? Who will accuse and bring charges and point out their mud and muck?' "'This is awkward,' came the reply. "'Your position has been eliminated.' Christ himself now stands between God and man, but not to accuse and condemn. He is here as mediator to make peace. As he descended back to the earth, Satan felt his guts tighten. He could see that it was already spreading. The filthy, fleshy creatures were still telling that horrible story and it was oozing into every corner of Satan's kingdom. The servants of the Christ were telling it to the slaves whose collars were falling off left and right with a deafening clang. And they were telling it to each other as well, giving one another strength and comfort. Satan had to stop this. He would. He would crush them. It was then that he noticed the chains binding him, holding him back from deceiving the nations. He was helpless to stem the spread of the story, it was too powerful. Christ was too powerful, and with every retelling, even the filthy flesh bags who worshipped the Christ were ever more powerful. As he finished his descent and his talons touched down on the earth, Satan made a decision. There was only one thing to do. He had to distract them from telling the story. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrim's progress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Produced by Brad Acheson and Zachary Bartles. Additional music and effects licensed from Pond5.com and Audio Micro. This week's text and recording are copyright 2018 Zachary Bartles, all rights reserved. This week's content first published in the feed of Clinch, a podcast of fiction and not fiction. I hope you have a meaningful Maundy Thursday, a powerful Good Friday, and a triumphant Easter Sunday. To discover anew more texts from and about the earliest Baptists, head over to www.highandsilver.com. And for more audio experiences of my fiction, visit ZacharyBartles.com slash audio. High and Silver. Got